Yes. And so tonight we're going to be dealing uh, tonight with, uh, um, can you guys hear me? You guys good? Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving. Yeah, they always be in Thanksgiving. That's another thing to do. Yes, Holy Spirit, we need to be in Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving constantly. Because I'm going to tell you, the enemy does not want you to fast. The enemy does not want you to fast. And he will allow things. And I'm going to tell you something fun, something about fasting is pretty interesting. Is that when we begin to fast, all those things that need to be dealt with begins to get earth. Begins to be uh, dug up. It just starts popping up. You start having dreams and you're not even watching stuff. You start, what is going on? And because what, what fasting does along with prayer and the word is that it begins to shine the light. It begins to push out the things that don't need to be there no more. It's time for it to go. And so all of a sudden, some of you will be like, wow, man, I need deliverance. No, you're being delivered right then. The word is pushing it out. And all you got to do is just divorce it. I divorce this in the spirit. I divorce this off my bloodline. And and it just falls right off. Yes, Christina, it's like a it's a de it's a detox. That's what it does. It it just begins to cleanse you. Stuff will just begin to pop up. You know, things begin to happen. Arguments begin to happen. Like, why am I arguing? What's going on? What's wrong with this person? The stuff is being broken up. You're breaking up things to go deeper in Him. You're breaking up uh, uh, things because there is a depth in God that's calling out the depth in you. It's calling you into the depths of Him. You know, that 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 uh, that song or even this passage of scripture that says the deep calls out to deep. It's the depths of God calling you into the depths of him. It's calling you into more oneness with him. Jesus, Paul said this, you know, that we are we are one in Christ Jesus. We are one. We're not apart from him. We're not uh, we're not saved outside of him. We are saved in him. So when you are fasting, what you're doing is moving. You're 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 diving deeper. You're diving deeper in the depths of him. And I just want to give you this analogy. I want to give you this analogy. Can you imagine that, that the Lord is ingesting you? He is eating you just as we eat his body and his blood and we partake and we do it by faith. And, and when we do it, we do it in remembrance of what he has done. And by our faith, something is happening. We are partaking. We are eating more of him and something is happening on the inside. Well, can you imagine the Lord is ingesting you and he's taking you in and you fall down into his stomach. I was thinking about this today. You fall down in his stomach and he's ready to digest you. Because if you get if you get stuff, if you digest the food, the food is going to where all parts of your body. It is the food that does not get digested that is rejected. And usually that food is either push through the intestines out of the body because the body finds it that's no good or you vomit it up. Well, the Bible says that the Lord said, I'd rather you be hot or cold because if you are lukewarm, then I will spit you out. When you are lukewarm, he cannot digest that because you have your hand in the world and you have your hand in him. And he's saying, I'd rather you be hot or cold. I'd rather you be hot or cold, not lukewarm, not on the fence, because I will spit you out. I'm calling you into the depths of me, but that requires you. Even if you're cold in one area of your life and you're hot elsewhere, God said, that's okay. That part is still, that part is still in line to be changed or redeemed. And if you're hot for him, you're just hot. But when you are lukewarm, 
There's no room to change because lukewarm people already feel like it's okay and there's nothing wrong. There's a self-righteousness that they have that doesn't allow room for God to change that because they feel they're right. And the Lord says, mm -mm, that's pride. And I resist the proud and I will spit you out. We don't want to be spit out by God. We don't want to be spit out by God. It'd rather be hot or cold. Preferably hot, but if you're cold, it's okay. The cold people can still be reached. It's the lukewarm that can't. The lukewarm that can't. So we're going to dig into something tonight. We're going to dig into Ephesians. We're going to be jumping around in scriptures. But our thought tonight is the unveiling of the sun in us. The unveiling of the sun in us. As we fast, as we seek the Lord, the unveiling of the sun in us. Let's go to, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Mm. Galatians, Ephesians. And it reads this. This is Paul speaking. Unto me who unto me who am least, less than the least of them, is given this grace that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mysteries which from the beginning of the world has been hidden in god who created all things in, by christ jesus to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of god the manifold wisdom of god is being made known by the church it's one of our jobs to make known that manifest wisdom of god and we're going to look at tonight as we dig into what is the manifest wisdom of god what was hidden and how our partnership is in it and so we want to just really dig into that and so the revealing of our manifest wisdom of yahweh in us to us and through us is how he's going to do it he's not going to do it just in us but he's going to do it to us and through us so that the world can see it because how can the world know who god is in all its entirety in all its full wisdom except it be displayed in you and i and we have the opportunity to display who god is and so we want to dig into that tonight and so what what is the manifold wisdom of god it is the many facets the, the many aspects of who god is when we look at scripture from genesis to revelation we look at what the different names of god and how he revealed himself to man hebrews in chapter one says that that god revealed himself to man in different ways but in this day it is culminated and he's revealed himself in Jesus. And so Jesus housed all the names of the Most High, all the names that he has revealed in the Old Testament. He's culminated in Christ Jesus. That's how it is culminated to him. And so we get to experience all God, who God is, all that Yahweh is through Christ Jesus. Amen. And so that's why it's so good to lean in. It's so good when we're seeking him and we're opening ourselves up even to more. Because why? You've been sent here to display a facet of who God is in your life. And you and, and yet when we become when we come together with the community, it's still God. You may have been sent here to display this aspect of God. This person's been sent to display that aspect of God. 
and it's in who you are. And that's why he has to redeem you so that that can be realized. We're going to explore that even a little bit deeper. It says here, who he fur, who he knew or what he knew about you was known about you before you were ever here. And you knew God. Jeremiah 1.5 says this. Before we get to Jeremiah, it says here, all men see the fellowship of the mysteries, which from the beginning of the world have been hidden in God. When God, before he put every, before the earth was ever here in the, the beginning of the world, before the world was ever here, there were things that were hidden. You were in that place. I was in that place. We were all there with him. Even the Bible says that Jesus gave his life before the foundations of what? The earth. He had already slayed, been slayed. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. That's why when in the Old Testament, when they would offer up blood up from the animals, the father never saw the blood of the animal. He always saw the blood of the son because what Jesus did was already done and it needed to be played out here on earth. So what am I saying to you? That the earth is catching up to heaven. That's why Jesus told him in Matthew 6, pray this way. Pray that what? God's will be done here on earth as it what? As it is in heaven. And so that should be your prayer. Pulling on heaven. Pulling on the thing that has already been done because in heaven is eternity. There is no time. We've been inserted into time to play a part in the plan of God. And those things which have already been done is the things that need to be pulled down here in our lives. There are things in your life that you are a part of that you it's, it is an imperative. You're instrumental for you to link up with God so that those things that you are responsible for in partnership with God is going to come to pass in your life. And that's why the Lord has to bring you through the healing and, and, and take you through the cleansing and washing. Because why? When we were born into this world, we received a lot of perspectives that were not God. And a lot of those things get in the way or even cause us to not believe God when we get a prophetic word. And the word says, God is calling you into this. And you say, well, yeah, I don't know about that. I know I've heard that word before. Well, the reason why you heard that word before, because God wants you to do it. And if he keeps telling you the same word, then you need to surrender and do it. The Lord doesn't want you to miss what he wants to do through you because what has been hidden, what has been not made known, was made known to you before you were here, but you don't remember it. Why? Because God didn't allow you to remember the pre things, the pre things that were before you, before you were in your mother's belly. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter one. Jeremiah chapter 1 in the Old Testament. I hope you brought your Bible or your gadgets. Jeremiah chapter 1. And this is the word of the Lord to Jeremiah. He's speaking to Jeremiah, affirming him who he is as a prophet. And he's letting him know that this thing about you being a prophet wasn't born the moment somebody told you in a service. It wasn't born in the moment that you had a dream one night or you received the word. That that prophet, that 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 office of prophet or that office of, of evangelist or pastor or teacher or whatever it is that God has called you or that gifting that you carry was not birthed the moment but you got saved. It was birthed long before. But it came in to play when you surrendered to the Lord. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. And it reads this, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. And it says this, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. The Lord says, Before you were in your mother's belly. The Lord says, 
I formed you in the belly. That means I determined you were going to be a girl. I determined you were going to be a boy. I determined you were going to be uh, you were going to be five feet tall. You were going to be six feet tall. I determined your even your ethnicity, whether you were going to be black, or Hispanic, white, Asian. I determined everything about your character. I determined everything about your nature. I determined everything about the sarcasm you have, the uh, your sense of humor you have. I, I determined you be you being an introvert or an extrovert. All those things God took into detail in the sea that you are he says i formed you and everything that i did is a reflection of me he says i formed you and he goes on and says here before thou came forth out of your mother's womb i sanctified thee i ordained thee as a prophet Lord, you, are you saying you are you sanctified me and ordained me to be who I am before I actually walked out sanctification and walked out or, or being ordained here on earth? Yes. That's why he's redeeming you. He's redeeming who you are. He's redeeming you. You and him had this conversation before you were ever here. And when you got here, the only thing that you remember or that a baby remembers is she remembers what? Mama's voice. She even remembers her dad's voice if the dad was talking to her in the belly. Now, haven't you noticed when you, when you, those of you that have had kids, you, your, your baby's crying and your baby's weeping as soon as it comes out of the womb. And the moment mama says, hey there, the baby's trying to find that voice. Because why? The baby remembers that voice, doesn't remember the conversation, doesn't remember all the things that mama said and spoke, but the baby does remember mama's voice. It does, it remembers mama's voice. And the moment they place that baby on mama, guess what, that baby calms down, she stopped, he or she stops crying because she's home, because the womb was her home. And now that she is in the world, now that she has come into time, because when she was in the belly, she really was not in the time. She was still in a place that is between eternity and time. There was a place that you and God were talking. And now at that time of you being birthed, it's time for you to come through the doorway of the womb into this world. Everything, every pre-thing that God said to you goes dormant, goes hidden. And you say, why? Why, does, why would God hide that? Why would God hide all those things? To reveal it to you at the right time in your life. So revelation isn't revelation, it's you remembering as God reveals what he's talked to you about before you got here. Even the very message on your life that you're going to carry has been talked about, has been formed. Everything was in the seed of who you are. Amen. Our God is amazing. Because when you think of a seed being planted, it has to die. Jesus said this in John. He said, except the seed goes in the ground and die, it what? It abides alone. So, I mean, if the seed doesn't go through the process of dying, doesn't go through the process of germination, doesn't go through the process of letting go so that what's in me can get out, it remains in the ground and nothing happens. And sometimes we've had seeds where nothing happened and it was not a good seed. 
But when it's a good seed, and the Bible says when it does die, if it does die, then what? It will bring forth life. It'll bring forth some 30, some 60, 100 fold. Everything that is in that seed, that whatever you're growing is supposed to be, it'll be in that seed. So in other words, if you're growing a big, a big giant peach tree, everything that that peach tree is going to be from the type of bark, from the type of leaves, from the type of peaches is in the seed. No one has to add to it except that you would prepare the ground and add water. And water represents life. And then what? That tree grows. That seed turns into that tree that gives life, that gives fruit. You're the same thing. Let's keep digging. Let's keep going. You're tracking with me? I hope you're tracking with me. It was God's design for you not just to be saved, but that Jesus would be revealed in you. Let's turn to Romans. Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 29. So every time you're dying to yourself, every time you, you're fasting, you're seeking him, and you're killing that flesh, and you're putting that flesh under subjection, more of who God intended for us to be is coming forth, is coming forth, is coming out of us. The breaking the partnership and breaking the allegiance to what we think things should be or what people have told us that things should be or how we've come to this, all that doesn't matter because it is the revealing, it is the unveiling of who Christ Jesus is in us. Goes on and says here, here's another good scripture, Romans uh, chapter eight, verse 29, it says this, for whom he foreknew, this is Paul getting a revelation for who, for who, who did he foreknow us? He foreknew us. Paul is talking to the church. He's talking to you and I, who he foreknew means to know you before, before what? Before the foundations of the earth. He has also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. It was God's design that you and I would be just like Jesus. Even at the foundations of the earth, when God was discussing to you about you coming here, you were pre-designed by God to be conformed to the image of your, his son. This is God's plan. This is what's happening as we seek, as we lean in, as we surrender, as we let the word. The word is not washing you to clean you just for you. The word is washing and cleaning you for the revealing of the Son of God in you. Are you hearing me? So who he foreknew, who he has known. So you've known him. He's known you. That's why you, that's why you are the redeemed. How can you be the redeemed if you were never God's? Are you thinking, are you, are you tracking with me? How could you go get something from somebody if it was never yours? You're going to get it because it is yours. So you're redeeming your wallet or your phone, or you're redeeming something that somebody has taken. And that's what the enemy has done. The enemy has taken man and taken him a whole different way when man fell and God came, sent his son to what? Redeem. The plan of redemption went into play and God is going to redeem man because why? This is, we belong to him. We come from him. 
He says this in First John chapter four. He says, "Little children, you should read First John chapter four. It's a great book. The, the, actually, the small Johns are all great, but First John it says this. It says here. He says, "Little children, remember, you come from me, for I am love. And if God is love, then you are love, and you come from love, and you were made to love." That's why he can say to you, if you want to be a friend, you must first be a friend first. If you want friends, you must first be the friend that you want to see. I'm not waiting for the friendship friend to be a friend to me. I can be that friend because I have this capacity that is uh, that is that comes from God. And that the moment I came into God, he has awakened that and he's taught me how to be that good friend. I'm not waiting for it. I have love to give. As I surrender to him, he'll show you how to love because God will give you a picture or blueprint of how to love your fellow brothers, your fellow brothers and sisters. And I really felt earlier as we as we were praying, I just felt like there was an attack or that has been an attack on friendships, on relationships, you know, husband and wife, friends, family. It's just been an attack and it's just to bring this separation, even in the body of Christ. It's there's just an attack on bringing the body of Christ uh against one another when the god says it's so pleasant it's so beautiful for brethren to dwell together in unity because why there's strength in numbers and the enemy knows that the enemy knows there's strength in numbers and it pleases god that you would love your brother so it isn't enough to just love god but you need to love your brother as well because the bible says in and first john in chapter four towards the end of that chapter it says if you say that you love god who you haven't seen but you hate your brother whom you do, whom you seen, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. Why is that? Because your brother or your sister was made in the image of God. So you can't say, I love God, but I hate his image. You're speaking out of both sides of your mouth. And you might say, well, well, well Jesus didn't do what they did, right? You're right. But you're guilty of some stuff too. No one's perfect. It's not to give them a pass. We all are broken and we all are being regenerated as we surrender. Some are willing to surrender faster than others and others are not willing to surrender and they need to be prayed for. You are a product of somebody praying for you. I'm a product of people contending and praying for me. Although when I got saved, there were then the same ones that were like, you're doing too much to be saved, but it was too late because the one who I longed for got a hold of me and I was destined not to be ever the same again. That was his mindset. So it's God's mindset for you to be saved. So you were always going to be saved. It was just a matter of time. And I love that, that God, each and every one of you on here was on the heart of God. Your life was on the heart of God. You were going to be saved at some point. That's God's love. And he designed that you would not look like your pastor, that you would not look like Big Mama, that you would not look like the apostle, that you would not look like the evangelist, that you would look like the pastor or the teacher. You would not look like anybody. The blueprint that you were to look like was God himself, his son. Jesus is the blueprint. And then he brings, allows Jesus to come into time and be the model that we need to look at and take a look at. He is the blueprint. We are fashioned after him. Because that was God's mindset. Let's keep moving. This kind births the authority and the power. 
Most of everybody on here or people, when you talk to church, people love the authority and the power, the moving of the spirit, the, the words of wisdom and the, and the words and the gifts of the spirit, the healings, the miracles, uh, the words of uh, knowledge that comes. Those things are so amazing. It's great to see those things because you can just see and know that the kingdom of God is here. That was one of the things that Jesus did in Matthew 10 when he had sent the disciples out two by two. He empowers them to heal the sick, all manner of sickness. He uh, cleansed the, uh, the leopards, cast out devils, and raised the dead. And he said, your message is that the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God has come. And how do we know that the kingdom of God is here? It's the demonstration, it's the moving of the spirit. That is how the kingdom is, is brought here. The kingdom isn't just based on wise words because there are a lot of religions on this earth that a lot of men that were okay, but they said some wise things. But God's, the kingdom, our kingdom that we are from surpasses all the wisdom of this world. It is the wisdom of God that, that, we're, that we're locking into. And the wisdom of God is not just in words, but it's in the demonstration of the spirit. That is the difference between the different religions around the world. And you may say, well, yeah, I experienced some things with you know this and that and this and that. Yeah, the, the demonic has power. They have power. And they can utilize power, but their power doesn't trump God, God's power. It doesn't trump his authority because his authority reigns supreme. So we're going to talk about this here, how birthing, how this kind, fasting, praying, seeking the Lord, opening up your gates to let him in, births authority and power. How does it do it? Let's turn to, um, let's turn to Luke, Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, the, four, the third book in the gospel. Luke was a physician very detailed physician who wrote the book of Luke and also wrote the book of Acts. And it goes on and it says this here in Luke chapter four, verse 14, it says, and Jesus returning in power of the spirit into Galilee. And there went out fame of him throughout all the region round about. He comes out of the wilderness after he had encountered the father, speaks over him, affirms him and who he is. He goes into the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights fasting and the enemy comes to test him, comes to test him. And that is a blueprint for us because we are going to be tested by the things that come in our life. And we're being tested for some reasons and we're going to get into that. Um, but Jesus had to be proven. Why? Because if he was going to die for you and I, if he was going to fully redeem mankind, he had to what? He had to be proven. He had to beat the devil. He had to show the devil, you're not going to trick me like you trick Adam and Eve. I'm not going to fall, as uh, if as uh, Eddie Murphy would say, the banana in the tailpipe. I don't know if you guys ever seen 40, uh, the Beverly Hills Cop, and he sticks a, a banana in the tailpipe in one of the uh, police officers' cars, and when they get a new detail out to, to, to track him down, they tell him, you know, we're not falling for what they fell for. Well, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm not falling for that. I'm not falling for that. I'm not going to fall like they did. Because if I do, there's no us. If I do, there's, 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 there's no Zoom call. There's no church. There's nothing. And so he had to be proven. He had to be, he had to be the lamb without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And the enemy was there to really go after him. Because why? He didn't want us to be saved. Enemy didn't know fully what Jesus was going to do or what this was going to play out, but he knew he was the special one that was coming and the enemy knew enough to stop him, knew enough that he was going to try to stop him. 
because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to get to that scripture, if the enemy understood the full wisdom of God's counsel, the manifold wisdom of God's counsel, he would have never let Jesus be crucified. They would have never crucified him. They, they would have stopped that. They would have not allowed that to happen because why? Because of what he did, he was the seed that went into the ground to die. And what? He didn't abide alone, but what? He brought forth much fruit. And who are the fruit? You and I, and the body of Christ, is the fruit of Jesus being that seed that goes in the ground for three days and three nights to take the keys of death and hell from the enemy and ascend to sit on the right hand of the Father. And we, and he is not sitting there by himself, but you and I are sitting there in him. We are in on the earth, but we're in him too. So we're just going, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. So here, Jesus does this. Turn with me to Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. And I want to tell you, authority. Authority is the right to rule. Authority is the right to rule. That's what authority is. Authority is the right to rule. We are, the Bible says in Revelations that Jesus has redeemed us unto our Father in heaven as what? Kings and priests. We have been redeemed unto him as kings and priests. That means we are a royal priesthood, a peculiar generation. That's who we are. And if that be true, then you and I are royalty. We are kings. And the Bible says he is the king of all kings and he's the Lord of all lords. And we carry a kingship because of who Christ Jesus is. But our ability to rule is tied to your identity in Christ Jesus. So authority means we have this right to rule. So when you see somebody who is a king or like Prince Harry or Prince uh, William, who are the royalties from England, Great Britain, they, because of being born into that family, they have a right to rule. They have the authority, the sovereignty to rule, adjudicate over things. That's what authority is. But authority is always tied to your identity. If they were born in any other family, they would be unfit to rule. They would be unfit to adjudicate over anything because it is your identity. It is your birthright that gives you the authority to rule and reign. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you being born into Christ gives you this authority. But this authority is realized even more as you what? The Bible says, as many as embraced him, gave he the power in exchange to become the sons of God. You, Your sonship is constantly evolving. Your sonship is constantly changing. It's getting more profound. It's getting more, it's getting more uh, strength in it. You are getting, you're coming into more than know of who Christ Jesus is in you and who you are in him. And your authority is tied to that. That's why you need to get to know Jesus. In Matthew 16, uh, 17, it says this is a story real quick of Jesus asking who do men say to you, who do men say to I am? And no one knew what to say. And the Bible says in 17, and Jesus answered after Peter tells him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answers and said unto him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not tell you that. This is the key part here. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. But my father, which is in heaven, spoke that to you. His father, Jesus's father, our father in heaven, spoke that to Peter. Let Peter know who was standing in front of him. That is key. 
goes on and says this and it says, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, upon this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. What does that have to do with your identity? Well, Peter's name, Peter means stone or rock. Who else is who else is named rock? Who, who do we call the rock of our salvation? Christ Jesus. Or upon this rock, or if you obey his words, you'll be like the man that builds your house upon what? The rock. So everything Jesus is, is who we are. Do you see the design there? His name was Simon Peter, or Simon, son of Jonah. But then he comes in contact with Jesus. Jesus changes his name and tells him, your name is Peter. You're no longer Simon, but you're Peter. Why? Because just as I am the rock, you are the rock as well. That's what Peter means. Peter means rock, stone. Who else is rock? Jesus. So in this encounter with him getting revelation from the father, why is that key that his father in heaven told Peter? Because true affirmation comes from where? Our heavenly father. It's our heavenly father that knew who Jesus was, who Jesus was on the earth. He also knows who you truly are. Some of us have been named the right names by our parents, and then some of us didn't get that right name. You know, our parents named us other names. Doesn't mean we fall short of what God has, but there is a name that God calls you. There's a name that God sees you, and that name is tied to who you are and who you are in Christ Jesus and also what you are sent to the earth to do. Just like I'll give you an example, the book of uh, Genesis chapter 12, where you takes up the story of Abraham and Sarah. Well, before they were Abraham and Sarah, they were Abram and Sarai. Their names changed as they got into relationship with God. And as they begin to walk in relationship, their names were changed. Abram meant exalted father. But God said, your destiny and the word that's over your life, Abram, is that you will be a father of many nations. His name did not match his destiny. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This, his name didn't. And so what, in relationship, God then begins to change his name. Now, in just a side note, in Jewish culture, the Jewish alphabet, um, the letter H, they call it the breath of God. If you notice, Abram turns into Abraham and Sarai turns into Sarah. Both names are changed and they have an H in them. It is custom, it is, it is believed by Jews, Jewish people that when God changed their name, he breathed the breath of God. And when their names were changed, what they could not do before they could, they could do now, meaning they did not have the capacity to have kids. Why? And it wasn't that Abraham couldn't have kids. His wife could not have kids even when she was young. And so now they are old and now they are too old for that. And the Bible tells you that they didn't even operate like that. They were just living together. They loved each other. But now God breathes the one who is life, breathes new life into them, and what? Renews their relationship, brings them life again, gives them something that they really didn't, didn't really enjoy. Because Sarah had to live her life in shame. Because back in biblical times, it was a shame when you couldn't have a kid. You were saw as less than a woman. But Abraham never treated her that way. He always loved his wife, just like 
Hannah. Hannah was treated less than a woman by her peers who could have kids, but that's okay because God blessed her and she not only had Samuel, but she had five other kids. Amen. So let the church say amen. The Bible says my favorite scripture is Isaiah 54. One of my favorite scriptures says single barren woman, single barren woman. Why? Because more of the fruit or more of the kids that are going to come out of you are going to come more out of you than the ones that could have kids, the one who is married. So don't matter if you're barren in certain areas of your life, you're barren with a purpose and your and your barrenness is only is, is on a time release. What do I mean by that? It's, it's going to expire at some point and that which God wants to do in that part of you is going to come to life and you're going to bear more fruit than them that are already moving and breathing in what they're doing. And so don't put your eyes on people. Don't compare yourself to people. Stop with the comparisons. Stop with looking at your fellow brothers. Celebrate them because guess what? The same God that's allowing them to do it, he's going to allow you to do it as well. He's going to bring you into that if you give him that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's keep going. We're going to keep going. Hope this is good. And so Peter reveals, Peter gets revelation about who he is and he realizes, wow. And Peter didn't really understand then. He understood after the Holy Spirit fell upon him, after they had that encounter. And Jesus told him, he said, a lot of what I'm telling you isn't going to make sense until the spirit of God that comes to live in you and breathe on what I have planted in you, these seeds that I planted in you, that once the breath of God breathes on them, it's going to bring you revelation. It's going to bring you knowledge. It's going to bring you understanding. It's going to bring you counsel. You're going to remember the encounters. You're going to remember what I said, and it's going to bring it all. You guys have all experienced that. You've heard something that you didn't quite understand. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit breathes and says, this is what it means. And you're like, oh, man, your mind is blown because that's what revelation does. Revelation blows your mind because now what you did not know, you do know. And also, too, what you do know has given you an upgrade, has taken you to a new space in him and also has relief, released faith in you. So it's important to walk in revelation. It's important to be in fellowship because what? He tells his secrets to his friends. You can't be a servant. He says, I've taken you from being a servant. We serve, but we're not a servant. Make that clear. We serve, but we're not a servant. He says, I've taken you from being a servant and I've made you my friends. Why? Because a servant doesn't know what the master's doing, but a friend does. And that friend represents what? Relationship. That's what friendship represents. It represents marriage. It represents all kind of relationships. And so when God has elevate you into that space of being a friend, when he brought you in, you serve. But you, what you do doesn't determine who you are because he sees you as a son or a daughter and you're in relationship. And the more friendship, the more drawing close the more nearness you come to god as you are fasting and praying as you are seeking him you are drawing close to him the more he's going to reveal to you the more he's going to entrust you with let's keep going power is the ability to do what your heavenly father is doing through you here on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus says in John. He says, I do and say what my father's doing and saying. That's what power is. Power is to do. It is the ability to do with the authority that's been given to me based on, the, based on my pedigree, based on what I've been born into. I have power to adjudicate. I have power to, to rule and reign. 
And so we don't just have power. The enemy has power, but no authority. Why doesn't he have an authority? He just has power because authority is always tied to your identity. That's how we trump him every time. That's why he's afraid of us when we are submitted unto God, when we're submitted unto him, because when we come up under the one who have, who has birthed us, who has affirmed us, who has called us out, he is afraid of that. And then in that space, you can resist him. In that space, he flees from you. Because why? You didn't forfeit your authority. Jesus didn't forfeit his authority. Let's keep going. Um, I want to just move quickly through this because I want to... Um, I want us to make sure we get this. Uh, and so when we look at that scripture there, when we look at power and authority, that's what we're given in Christ Jesus. That's why when Jesus ascended into the right hand of the Father, I think it's at the end of Matthew, even at the end of, uh, of the Gospels, where it says all power and all authority has been what? Given to me. He has ascended on the right hand of the Father and all power and authority has been given to him as the head of the church. And it has been also given to us. Why? Because we are his body. And he says all principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness high places have been placed under his feet. Whose feet? His feet. But it's our feet too because we are his body and he is the head. And so if it's under him, it's beneath you too because we are in Christ Jesus. So you don't have to be afraid of principalities and powers and the devil. Don't be afraid of him. You're not meant to be afraid of him. It's the other way around. Because you carry something he wanted, but he didn't want to go, go about it the right way. He wanted to take it. He wanted to ascend to the most high and, and, and take something that God didn't give him. And because the iniquity was in his heart, because this, this unwritten an iniquity is not just sin that is passed down from relatives. It is prideful, unrepented sin that says, I don't need to repent. I'm fine. That's what he had in his heart. He had unrepented sin. He was prideful. I will not repent. I deserve to be in that space. Have some of you been like that where you feel like, I deserve to have what she has. I deserve to be moving. Why did the pastor put you up there? I could do that better. You better watch that. You better watch that. Because that's, that's, that's that same nasty spirit that got him kicked out of heaven. Instead of him being content the way his maker made him, he didn't like it. He felt I want, I can do better. I want to be I want to be this, and that's the trick of the enemy in our day today. That has got everybody believing you can be whatever you want to be. You don't need to be what God needs to be, and that's another story. But we're gonna keep moving. All right, to be tested. Testing builds character, and it qualifies you to move in His power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Testing builds character. Your character needs to be built. What is the character? The fruits of the spirit. Turn to Reve You can turn to Reve uh Let's turn to let's turn to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. Small little book. Galatians chapter five talks about the fruits of the spirit. Some of us need to be uh, reminded of what those things are because without the fruits of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit don't mean you any good. Why? Because the fruits of the spirit are the house that house the, the gifts of the spirit. And if you don't have that house set in order, your gift that you're moving in will crush you because you're not ready yet. Galatians chapter five, verse uh, 22. And it says the fruits of the spirit are this love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, 
temperance. These are the fruits of the spirit. And Jesus walked in all of these. So we are meant to walk in all of these. So when he was tested, he was tested to be tried, to be perfected. The Bible says that the word, here's the thing about a prophetic word. When you receive a prophetic word about your life, that word is coming to try you. The, the word will try you by fire. A lot of people don't understand. They want to chase words, but you don't want to be tried by fire. Mm -mm, honey, you, won't, you don't want to chase words if you don't allow God to come in and try you by fire. Because what's going to happen is that you won't get no more words. He won't tell you. He'll give you the same word he gave you last time. The word is meant to try you, to perfect you. Why? Because the word speaks of something that you're not yet. And so when God releases it, it's being released so that you can bring in, come into alignment. It can beat you into shape. It'll bring you into shape because the word is a hammer. It knocks the hardened areas, but the word is also fire. It burns and consumes all those impurities. And so it's not the word needs to line up with you and, and come to you when it's convenient. You need to line up to the word. And the word brings you through the process. So that what? God is building a house in you, not just the body of Christ, but in you so that you can host him well. So that what? You won't use your power for self-gain. The devil can't come to tell you, hey, because you are the son of the living God and you've got this power, why don't you use your power for your own self? Why don't you, why don't you go and lay hands and, and uh, why don't you turn that bread into stone? He'll test you so that you don't use your power or his power that he's going to give you to be lifted up in pride where everybody is coming to see me. That's what it was when he put him on a pinnacle of the church and said, cast yourself down. Some of our brothers and sisters have been really anointed by God and they have allowed their hearts to get lifted up and they feel as though everybody's coming to see them. They're not coming to see you because you without God is nothing. It's almost like it's almost like you without me is like cornflake without the milk. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We, we need him. And the moment you start using what God is giving you and lift yourself up above who he is, you're in dangerous ground. And you're in dangerous ground that you are going to build your own kingdom. There are a lot of people that are building their own kingdom. There are some people that are truly walking with God. Amen. We salute them. But the, our brothers and sisters that may have started out right and somehow have veered away because why? There was not enough communion with God. There was not enough communion and abiding in him to keep yourself in check and not enough accountability. And maybe sometimes there was. That person was just prideful in that area and didn't want to hear what people had to say. And so what? They fall, they, they fall from grace. Because why? They, they use God's power to be lifted up. And so they wanted people to see. I remember there was a famous uh, man of God who, um, who moved in great miracles. I mean, some crazy supernatural miracles. And there's documentation of just people talking about stuff and just uh pictures that they took and they would see this light hanging over him 
And I remember he was in a meeting and the writer writes that God was moving so strong in his life and using him to such a great great degree that he made this statement. He said, the world is at my feet. When he said that, he fell and his fall was great and he was never the same. We should never get to the place where we feel the world is at our feet. The world is coming to see the Jesus in us. We are here to display. We are written epistles here to display. We are billboards to show the world who Christ Jesus is. We are not just here to show the world. We're here to show the the celestial beings in heaven who Christ Jesus is. The principalities and powers, the spiritual wickedness, high places. The Bible in Ephesians talks about that. We're here to unfold, to reveal the manifest wisdom of who Christ Jesus is. And we're here to show them that we can walk in that and not get lifted up and not get full of ourselves and and, and be kicked out of heaven but that we can be truly sons and daughters that know how to serve our father, that know how to truly walk in harmony with him and not think ourselves more than what we need to think ourselves, but that we are content being his son and we are in partnership with him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're there to show them. It's not to show your name, your, your brother or sister sitting next to you at church. I want to show them how great God uses me. No, that's flesh. That's flesh. You need to let that go. That's flesh. That's not God. Your life should provoke your brother and sister to want to lean in more, not make them feel bad. We are not here to make our brother and sister feel bad. We are here to encourage them to step into more. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My 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 revelation or the way uh, the way uh, the Lord uses Christina or Jennifer or Cindy or Arlene or, or Rachel or Chris. However God uses you, your life should stir me, stir me, stir your friends to want to lean in more. And if they get jealous of you, it is nothing on you. It has everything to do with them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He tests, he tries you so that you don't use his power for affluence. What do I mean by influence? To gain money, power prestige build your own kingdom you build people come and follow you his power is not you're going to touch the world because of who christ jesus is the bible says the life in him is a light to men that light in you is meant to stretch out and touch people it is going to but when your heart posture has shifted and it's not about christ jesus anymore it's about you being seen it's about the books you've written it's about it's about all the gain and the fame that you get from knowing who jesus is and how he uses you are you hearing what i'm saying that's why you go that's why we're tested and tried to be perfected so that we can carry this power that he has given us. That same power that is poured out on the day of Pentecost, that same power that we can continue to get wave after wave after wave. I remember this past Sunday in service, there was a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit. I remember I I had this, I had this encounter with the Lord and all of a sudden I could just feel the presence of the Lord come in such a way that was fire, just fire and there was just this water 
just flowing and it just kept progressing and as we were worshiping we just kept progressing it just kept growing and kept growing and i remember just we all were in just this awe of who god is because he manifested in such a way and i believe there was just a fresh infilling of the holy spirit we can receive wave after wave when you look in the book of acts if you read the book of acts they didn't receive the holy spirit once they got it wave after wave after wave because you never can exhaust God. So you can always ask for a fresh a fresh inpouring, a fresh outpouring of him in you. You can continue to lean into that. All right, let's keep going. We're almost we're almost done. We're almost going to land this plane. We adjudicate when we walk in that power and authority. It gives us the authority to adjudicate over the realms of the spirit, over a region by using his word to clearly establish the kingdom of Yahweh. The weapon, if you want to take the land, and we always hear that that term, take the land, we're going to take the land. You cannot take the land if you have not taken it in the spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You cannot take the land if you have not taken it in the spirit. You can try to do what you're going to do in the natural, but all you've done is reduce yourself on a playing field that you cannot win. You got to take this into the spirit realm and deal with those things. Because why? There are things, principalities and powers and things like that that are using people, puppet masters, using people and they adjudicate in the spirit over regions. And that's why certain regions have certain things or certain cities have certain things in that city. And you got to go into the spirit, not just you yourself, but a, a, a collection of your community contending together to go and to go in and to go after it. Why? Because if I don't deal with it there, it won't be dealt with down here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so what does that look like? Practically, prayer walking your neighborhood. You could prayer walk your neighborhood, prayer walk your neighborhood. You could prayer walk the city. That's how you're going to know what's in your region. You're going to know what principality is there that's uh, facilitating. You're going to know where the gatekeeper is, who's who's facilitating all these things. This is this is prayer walking. You get in a prayer, walk. get with your friends. We're going to prayer walk your neighborhood this time and then we'll prayer walk my neighborhood the next time. The, the point is that we would take the land. Amen. But, and then another thing you can do, you can get a map of your city and 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 lay the map out and walk around the map and pray for that region. And you can ask Holy Spirit what? Because the map is a legal representation of the borders of your city. And you can use a map. We did it in prayer. We used to, we used to walk around the map. We do Jericho marches around the map. We lay our hands on the school. You can get maps of all the schools in your in your city and start laying your hands and praying over those schools. Because why? There is no there is no time and space in the spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I may not be able to physically go there to that place, but I can lay my hands on that map, that's that school that's on the map. And it's just as though I was laying my hands on what? On the actual the actual building itself. That's how it is to move in the spirit. That's how it is to deal with things. Because if you want to take schools, if you want to take your neighborhood, if you want to take your city, if you want to take your nation, you got to take it in the spirit. The other thing that you can do, and then another thing that you do, you decree and you declare God's spoken word over the region 
Because why? In the armor of God, one of the weapons we have is what? The sword of the spirit. How are we going to defeat the devil? Through the sword. And the sword of the spirit, the word, the blood, that's how he's defeated. And so you decree his scripture. And I tell you what decreeing and declaring is. Declaring is what the scripture says. Decreeing is how you want to see that scripture played out in your neighborhood, in your in your job, in your place. Do you get what I'm saying? So declaring is declaring what the scripture is, meaning the scripture, you got, for an example, I can do all things through Christ and strengthens me. That is, I can declare that because that's something I've been given. How I decree that is I can, I will be exceptional on my job. I will create new innovative things in my neighborhood that will help stop um, drugs. I, I will create, um, I will, there'll be, uh, um, there'll be social, uh, there'll be uh, different things that'll be created to get the women off the street who are, or night walking. Um, there'll be things after school created so that what we can help give our, educate our kids and help them get skills that they need for their life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For those examples. So there's decreeing, declaring what you have is what the scripture, but then also decreeing how you want to see that scripture prayed in, prayed into. So that's what you pray into. You declaring, I want to see this scripture rolled out this way in programs in our, in our city that help the homeless get off the street. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so we want to do that. How can you adjudicate? We were meant to adjudicate over regions. We were meant to govern over cities, over our neighborhoods. We were meant to that because that's who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is. Jesus was able to do that. They knew, them spirits knew when he came into a region, they knew he came into because of who he was, who he is, not just in the natural, but who he was in the spirit. Who you are in the spirit is important. That's why this kind needs to happen more often. We need to not just fast the first month of the year. You need to fast a few more times during the year as the Holy Spirit leads. Why? Because again, this is what's happening. This is what you're stepping into. You're, as you fast and pray and read God's word, your wisdom and your stature of Christ Jesus who has won everything and has been given to us is being manifested in you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He has taken the stature that he has won when he walked the earth and he's given it to you and I. And the more that manifests is the more we bring ourselves under subjection. We bring ourselves under, it's, it's what, what it really is, is Jesus said, I came to fulfill, I came to finish, I came to complete. And what I have finished, completed, and fulfilled, I gave it to you at the point of salvation. So you're not starting at bare minimum, you're standing on what Jesus did, and he says you can do that and more. And the more you yield, the more you partner, the more you come in a covenant relationship with him, the deeper your communion with him, the more of who he is is manifested in you. The more of his stature in the spirit is, is, magnif is, is known to you. Can I tell you, the demons and the regional spirits in your neighborhood will know who you are. Turn to Matthew, not Matthew, Acts chapter 19. And we're going to land it there. Well, 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 we'll closely line it there. I will, you know, I'll just, what I'll tell you to do, read Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19 was about, it's an amazing, amazing stories in there. Well, one of the stories were these men who were, 
who were ex doing exorcisms. They were moving from place to place doing exorcism. And they ran across Paul, the apostle, and they saw that Paul was kicking out spirits. He was casting them out, you know, casting out one, casting out a bunch of them. And they saw and they were amazed by that. And they were deciding we're going to do what he did. And the Bible says that they ran across this man that had a bunch of spirits. And he says, they say, and you should know when some person say something like this, you know, they ain't got no relationship. They run across a man and they said, we command you to come out by the Jesus that Paul knows. That's, that's what they said in the scripture. And somebody can find that for me so that you can put it on the screen. That would be helpful to uh, Acts chapter 19. Um, it's after they burned the books and they burned the books up. They threw all their books, the sorcery books and stuff like that. And then it talks about these men that were doing that. You can find that for me and post it. It'd be good for you to know. But then they say the, the Jesus that Paul knows we cast you out with. That man, that demon in him responds and says, Jesus we know and Paul we know. But who are you? They had no stature in the spirit. And that demonic spirit that was in that individual, thank you, Crystal, Unc shows him and says, What? You have no authority. You ain't got no power. We see no, we don't see, you have no right to rule and judicate in the spirit because there is no authority. Who are you representing? You are you I don't see what kingdom you're from. And power, you have no power. We Get out of here. And the Bible says the demons that were on the men, that man jumped on those men, those, those, those would-be exercisers, jumped on them and beat those men up and snatched their clothes off and the men ran off naked. What was that lesson there for? To show you that the Jesus that Paul knows can't help you if you're not in relationship with him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Paul knows him. And that's why those demons were getting out. But you can't use Paul's name and say, well, the, the Jesus Paul's know, or the Jesus that Rachel knows, or the Jesus that Sharon knows, you come out. That demon will say, yeah, I know Sharon, and I know Rachel, and I know Cindy. But who are you? Because why? They see you don't have no authority to rule and reign in the spirit. That's why your authority in Christ Jesus and the power is important because without authority that is tied to your identity in Christ Jesus, you have no right to rule. The only other way you can try to do it is do it through devil worship and satanic and witchcraft. You try to do it, but guess what? What we carry through Christ Jesus trumps what they carry and they know that. And when they run across us, us that know who we are, they can't do nothing with us. They run. Why? Because our kingdom is the kingdom of all kingdoms, and it trumps every and anything. And so without that, and why, do I, why am I telling you this? Because as you fast and pray, this is what's happening. Your physical body is a vehicle to carry out the will of God here on earth as it is in heaven. But when you said yes to Jesus and let his spirit fill you in, you are seated in heavenly places in him. And the more that is realized, the more that is manifested, the more you surrender, that authority will be realized in you. 
and the enemy will know. He will see the insignia ring. He will see the, the mark of God on you, and he'll say that person knows who they are. And then you can judicate in the spirit. Then you can run and go after those things in the spirit, in your region, in your town, in your neighborhood, over the schools, over your job. You can do that because we have this duplicity in Christ Jesus that we will do and say what our father's doing in any given situation. This is what this kind brings. It brings us and it continues to do this. And the more you walk with him, the more you walk with him, the more Christ Jesus is realized, the more his stature, what he won on our behalf is realized. And that enemy sees the stature of Christ Jesus in you. And when he sees that and it continues to grow and it continues to ascend, because Jesus said, you will not only do what I do, but you will do more. I was just the blueprint and an example in the flesh of what you were going to do. But guess what? We're going to take this up another notch. And when Jesus ascended, we ascended with him. When he was buried, we were, we were buried with him. When he was crucified, we were crucified with him. So when we continue to seek him and, and fast and run after him and lean in, it becomes less about what we, we, we miss eating. It becomes less about the cookies. It becomes less about the the uh, the stuff. It becomes less about the the steak or all these other things I don't get to do. It becomes less about all this other stuff. It becomes more about me surrendering and giving myself to Him. That I would step in and I'll land it here. Just like you, your city, your state has a destiny. And I'll tell you, some of our cities, some of us are not living in destiny, living in what we were destined for. We'll get into that. Uh, we may get into that next week. We'll see. Can't get into it now because it'll just be too long. But you have a destiny. The city that you're called to has a destiny. And you, through your fellowship with God, will unlock the destiny of your neighborhood, of your city. It can unlock the destiny over the people you're praying for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But we go in and we're going in. Jesus, I'm getting all I can, not for me. I'm getting them so that my brothers and sisters can be free. I'm getting them so that, why? And some of you are being trained. Some of you don't understand why you have the authority. People look to you already. People run to you already. People, you feel like you have this, you're a staple in the community or you're a staple among your people, your peers, and you don't understand why you are that because you were meant to judicate. You were meant to rule and reign in the spirit over places, over things as God can trust you. You are more than just some saint that just got saved and, and, and you're just going to church. It's more than that. The scripture talks about more than that. And it's time for us to lean into that. So Father, I pray right now. I pray that their eyes would be open. I pray that the eyes of their understanding would be open, that they would come into the full fellowship, that the full manifest wisdom that you have hidden, but is now being revealed through Christ Jesus in us would be realized. That they would be this 
epistle that can be read, that can be seen, that can be experienced, that they that people would experience the kingdom of God and all that it has in our lives as we surrender, as we yield, as we fast, as we allow the word to wash us, not to be clean, but to reveal the son of God whom you have predestined for us to be conformed to his image. I pray that father, that they would surrender, that they would yield, that they would give all, that they would withhold nothing because you withhold nothing from us. I pray that you would fill them full. I pray that you, Lord, that you would cause them to be so, so longing, so, so desperate to, to want to know more about who they are, who you are, because when they get to know you, they'll get to know who they are. No longer allowing people to affirm and tell you who you are when they're not speaking by the Spirit of the Lord. Father, I break every false destiny, every false word, every false thing that has been spoken by people that said they were speaking by the Spirit of the Lord. I break that off. I break that fellowship. I divorce it from them right now in the name of Jesus because that's not what you said. And so, Father, I speak that you would cause them to go back and look at things. Look at what they've been spoken, what things have been said, and ask questions. Why didn't this resonate with me? Why didn't this just seem right to me? Father, I pray that you would awaken them and they would measure everything up based on the one who is the word. Because he knows all things. He knows who you are and what he has designed you for. That we will no longer accept and take in false destinies, counterfeit destinies that are not ours because that's definition. So we bind and rebuke that python spirit that has been constricting, that has been suffocating, that's been coming against this body of believers right here. We command, loose them and let them go by the authority of Christ Jesus. No longer will you lie to them and tell them these lies that don't come from heaven. Because your father in heaven makes no mistake about who you are. Everything he says will come to pass, will not come back void, because he cannot lie. He is not man. He is God. He is the one that has designed everything. And I pray that, Father, we would see where we've compromised where we've allowed those things to get in because it sounded like you, that you would sharpen our discernment as we fast and pray, as we seek you, as we run in deeper, that you would clean our eye gates, you would clean our ear gates, though you would clean our filters, Lord, you would pull those things out of our hearts that are not you, pull those trees and the fruit that goes with it. Father, we pull them out and we say, Lord, it's you or nothing else. I plead the blood over them that you would clean the sanctuary of their mind, that you would clean their hearts. Jesus, that they would know who they are and they would walk in confidence so that they can tell another brother or sister, this is who you are too. Father, Holy Spirit, you would breathe fresh fire and that fire would kindle any and everything that it would continue to refine the gold. Where they are raw gold, 
the fire of God would refine that area and they would be that shiny refined gold. Because raw gold is good, but it but the stuff that's on it gets in the way. So we ask, Father, that the word of the Lord would refine the areas that need to be refined. That you would remove the raw gold, that they would be that nice polished gold, because there is glory in this earthen vessel. Father, we bless them and we bless their lives and we bless who you are in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.